I transform into a half-human, half-canine creature? Welcome to Scary Stories, the channel that tells you scary stories. Today we have a highly anticipated story sent in by one of our more active listeners and viewers who claims that they themselves are, well, what we would call a dogman, but what they would call a lichen. That story is going to be read by Nancy Livonian, and after that we have a new dogman story that I will read to you. So sit back. Relax and enjoy the truth about Dogman in a story written by a werewolf herself. The Lichen's Perspective, as told to Peter Bernard, read by Nancy Livonian. The following story is adapted from emails sent to us by a listener of Scary Stories. They have granted us permission to expand their letters into a story, as long as we do not alter the facts or identify this person in any way. What you're about to hear may sound completely unbelievable, but all we are doing is telling you the narrative that we have been told by the real individual who says it actually happened to them. If they assert that this is real, who are we to say otherwise? To quote William Shakespeare, There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Dear Scary Stories, I have been watching your Dogman videos for a while and thought you would like to hear a true story told from the point of view of one of these creatures. Since I transform into a half-human, half-canine creature, I am in a unique position to tell you this tale. Before I begin, I want to say I find it very offensive that you would call all of us dogmen. In fact, dogmen are canines who turn into human-like dogs. They do not always exist in that form. In other words, if a dog transforms into a werewolf-like creature, we call that a dogman. Then, there are people like me who transform into wolf or dog-like creatures. There are two kinds of us and we call the two species werewolf and lichen. I am a lichen. I just wanted to make sure that you understood all this. Now, on to my story. I have a familiar who is a cat, but also not a cat. I refer to him as a Sith cat, but I think the original Scottish or Irish pronunciation is cat-she. These are powerful spirits taking the form of cats, capable of creating magical events, both the good kind and the other kind. The way I came to be partnered with this particular familiar is that one of my normal cats made it with a cat she, who lived with a particular old lady I'm close with here in my small town. This cat's mother rejected him almost completely as a kitten, so I took him and raised him. This lady told me the cat was meant to be with me, because I also am out of the ordinary, both blessed and cursed with something that is simultaneously a gift and an affliction. Before I became a confidant and student of this old lady, I used to be very close friends with her granddaughter, who we will call E for the sake of this story. 
he tends to avoid me now, which causes me a lot of emotional pain and really feels like a hole in the center of the fabric of my life. I can't exactly blame her for her feelings, however. I'll tell you the story about how the situation came to be, because it's also the story of the first time I transformed into a lichen. It was a snowy day during the weekend after Valentine's Day when my first transformation happened. I was on a walk with E. She and I were hanging out like we usually did back then. We would walk around the small town her grandparents and I live in and just talk. We would walk back and forth between the fireman's station and the biggest tree in town. It might sound dumb, but I really appreciated those walks. And it's painful to think of how and why I lost that friendship. So anyways, after a few hours of walking and talking, back and forth between the tree and the fireman's station, I started to feel like I was melting from the inside out. I swear, it felt like my blood had just turned to lava. I then began to feel extremely hungry, which was strange because we had lunch before going out. The combination of things I was feeling simultaneously set off alarm bells inside me. I tried to remember if I had ever felt anything like this before. Well, I had felt hungry before, but I had never experienced the strange sensation of my blood feeling like it was boiling inside of me. I'm not sure what causes this sensation, since if my blood actually boiled, I imagine I would quickly die. Nevertheless... Whatever I was experiencing felt to me like all the fluids inside my body were overheating and boiling over. I understood for certain that something was happening, but I didn't know what. I was 13 years old at the time, so I never thought I might be having a heart attack or a stroke. I know that they can happen to people of any age, but it just never occurred to me that that might be what was going on. My mind raced and I felt so panicked that the panic was almost worse than the actual experience that was happening to me. In fact, it's sort of hard to separate the two, which was the event and which was the panic resulting from all of this. I felt myself falling to all fours and I wondered if I was going to be ill in front of my friend. Almost instantly, however, I realized I was not nauseous in the slightest and in a flash, I felt instinctively that I understood on a deep level what was happening. I was becoming my true self. I was shedding my childish form and taking my mature one. I was erupting from my cocoon as an adult, but an adult who in no way resembled what they had been as a child. From down on all fours, I told E to run, run as fast away as she could from me. I saw the confusion on her face as she was torn between a desire to help her friend and the fear of me screaming at her to run. She backed off, but E only went a few meters away, keeping her concerned eyes on me the entire time. Being that this was the first time my wolf instincts were kicking in, I had nearly no control of myself and I instinctively started running after E. I remember running after her more than I remember the end of the transformation. 
I remember running past closed stores and thinking that this was a strange forest indeed. My stomach growled at me that I needed to kill and eat or die. The horror of hunger consumed me, and I could smell my good friend ease of fear as she ran. I could smell it, and it smelled delicious. In fact, I realized the smell of her made me salivate, and I understood I was no longer human. Consciously exerting my will over a million years of primal instinct, I started to gain control, and I forced my body to stop moving. He was backed into a corner between two buildings, on the floor, weeping uncontrollably. I tried to talk to her, but talking was very hard, as hard and unnatural as thinking had become. When you are your natural self, you no longer think in words, but in actualities. You become free of the semantic confusion and pain of the humans, and so you become free of original sin. My attempts at communication through human concepts and words came out first as a long and very guttural snarl. He sobbed even more pathetically as I must have sounded very threatening. I thought hard about what I wanted to say to E and said in a voice that was deep and growl-like, I've got control of I said it that way because I could feel my instincts taking back control. I told E to run again, and I'm glad that she did. Because if she didn't run back to her grandparents' home, I don't know what would have happened to her. Like I said earlier, this happened years and years ago when I was around 13 years old. I am almost 17 now and have grown into mature acceptance of who and what I am. I fully identified the exact subspecies of lichen I am, but I need to leave a few details out of this account to protect my privacy. As for E, she has been distant. So distant that the only time I see her is from a distance at the state fair. We never talk. If I try to get near her, she will run from me. I have tried to say sorry to her so many times that it wouldn't even be considered funny anymore. Those of you who think people like me are evil, please know we didn't ask to be like this. And please understand that although we are gifted with great power, it comes at the price of extreme pain and great loneliness. <laughs> Meet the creator of Scary Stories NYC at the Northeast Comic Con, July 6th, 7th, and 8th, along with Mickety Monkety Dolans, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Monkeys movie, Head! Hooray! Also appearing, the real original Greg, Barry Williams Brady, from the Brady Six Rock Band. Hooray! It's a three-day summer party thrown by our friend, TV's famous Gary Summers from Antiques Roadshow. Aww! Do you have a scary story you want us to read on the show? Just call our voicemail hotline, 804-LESCARY. That's 804-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-4-
8045372279 And now for something completely scary The Dogman and the Strange Boy as told to and read by Peter Bernard When I was a kid, we lived in a small city in Ohio, but my parents would usually send me to stay with my uncle in the summer. He lived about a half-hour walk from us, or out just past the edge of town, down a dirt road into the forest. My parents reasoned that if I was out in the country with my uncle, I'd be kept away from drugs and crime in the city. These days, Mom is in her 90s and a big fan of David Polites. She apologizes for sending me out to the woods, saying she didn't know how dangerous it could actually be. She'd feel even worse about it if I ever told her this story but my uncle swore me to secrecy when he told it to me. I'll call him Uncle Amos, which was not his real name. Amos is gone now almost a decade, so I don't think he'd mind me passing his story on and keeping his spirit alive in the process. Okay, so I don't remember ever having problems with predators around my uncle's home, although he did remind me constantly to watch out for cougars or mountain lions. I never actually saw one myself, but Uncle Amos would say, just because you don't see him doesn't mean you aren't near him. We never saw coyotes or wolves, however, this one summer, we heard howling in the woods nearly every single night, as far as I can remember. My uncle thought it was a pack of dogs, warning me that former pets gone feral could form packs that do more damage than a dozen wolves. Most animals kill for food, but a pack of former pets can kill for sport like humans. To Uncle Amos, that was against nature, to kill for no good reason. He felt only humans and animals driven insane by humans could do such a thing. The idea of these dog packs terrified me, but in honesty, I never saw them, and I'm not sure they were what was causing the howling. Now, old Uncle Amos was a drinker of the full-time variety. He'd be drunk before he made me breakfast, but he was always fun to be around. He had no problem drinking in front of me. Remember, this was the 1970s. The funny thing was, though, that when he wanted to smoke a cigarette, he would go outside because he didn't want me smelling of smoke when he gave me back to my parents. So, one night when Uncle Amos was out having a smoke, I noticed he didn't come back in 10 minutes like usual. Sometimes he would go for as long as 20, so I shouldn't have been nervous, but I was. Trusting my instincts, I looked outside and my uncle was nowhere to be seen. I wanted to call out for him, but I was afraid he'd been taken and that calling out would only make me a target too. I did what my uncle told me to do in an emergency. I went in the house, double bolted it, turned out all the lights, then went in my room and did the same. About a half hour later, I could hear banging at the front door and my uncle shouting for me to let him in. It was a huge relief to see him and I hugged him, but he pushed me inside quickly and shut the door behind him, shaking all over. His hands were shaking so hard that I had to lock the locks for him. I got him some of his liquor to calm him down, but he pushed it away, insisting that he would never touch another drop until the day he died after what he had just seen. I begged him to tell me what happened, but he said he needed to take a nap first, and he could tell me after. Needless to say, he slept straight through till the morning, and we didn't get back to the subject of that night for a few more days or even a week. Uncle Amos really had stopped drinking, but he also was a lot less fun in his new incarnation. Now he was more like my parents and interested in normal grown-up stuff. He even got a job soon after that and became even more boring. 
So anyway, when I finally got him to tell me the story of what happened that night, when he took the hour-long cigarette break, he was clearly still very shaken up by whatever it was. We hadn't heard any howling since that night, and that's how I got the conversation back to it. I asked him if he knew why the howling was gone, and if it had something to do with the story he still hadn't told me about that night. It took him a while to get going, and he never made eye contact with me the entire story, staring downward instead. At a few points his voice cracked and he had to stop and regain control of himself. I never before or since ever saw him so unhappy to have to be talking about something. So here's what he said happened. Uncle Amos went outside for his cigarette break as usual, but he heard something moving about in the bushes and it caught his interest. He kept watching in that direction in case whatever it was revealed itself. It seemed small, but not squirrel small, more like wild pig small. Since he had been hearing those howls, he paid particular interest in case something dangerous was about to run out at him. Instead, what he saw totally blew his mind. A little boy emerged from the forest. It had light skin and long dark hair that was all over the place. The kid couldn't have been more than 10 years old, he said. It seemed to be wearing either rags or animal skins wrapped around itself, but he saw my uncle almost immediately and sped off into the forest. Amos instinctively stomped out his smoke and raced after the kid. He was thinking he was on a mission of rescue. This boy was either a runaway or abandoned in his mind, and he was going to try to save his life. They ran through the woods for a while, and as my uncle came to a clearing and was about to catch up to the boy he saw the kid run directly up to what he described as the largest German shepherd dog he had ever seen in his life. My uncle said he gasped and stopped in his tracks. The dog was prehistorically large. He said he watched as the kid launched himself onto the animal's shoulders. Then, eyes boring directly into my uncle's eyes, he said the dog stood up on its back legs and now was well taller than he was. The growling of this immense beast was so strong that my uncle said he felt the vibration through his toes. Continuing to glare, the monster howled in my uncle's face. Then the dog ran away on its hind legs with the boy riding on his shoulders. Having finished the story, my uncle fell into a pool of tears. He said his knees gave out and he stayed there for a while, kneeling on the ground, unable to close his mouth or think clearly. Eventually, he remembered he had to take care of me, so he made his knees obey him again and came back home exhausted. He asked me to forgive him for taking so long to relate the story, but I was peppering him with questions. He told me none of it mattered anymore because they had moved on and we didn't have to worry about them ever again. I asked him how he could be so sure. Uncle Amos told me that the two of them thought they were safe here and then they were discovered, so now they were off somewhere else they hoped would be safe. I hoped they were safe too, and I wondered what that boy's life must be like. That to this day is a fantasy I live with. What would life be like if, instead of my parents and family... I was a kid who grew up with Dog Man. Check out the audio podcast version of Scary Stories NYC, now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
and other popular podcatchers. Bigfoot Attacked My Tiny House. Scary Stories by Peter Bernard, Volume 1. Now available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Narrated by PQ River and me, Madeline Starr. Forward by TV's famous Timothy Green Beckley, better known as Mr. UFO. Scary stories.